0: Hey everybody, welcome back. We are here to present Matt Goes to the Movies and Mondays with Maximoff. I am super excited because not only is it a show that I was really hyped about, I am joined by Rob and Harrison from The Basement Binge. Uh, We agreed a little bit earlier before the show even aired that we were going to do this show together, so I am super excited to hear what they have to say. So Rob Harrison, uh, welcome guys. I'm, I'm pumped. I, I know you guys were saying the same thing that we're excited to get this going. I mean, how long
1: has it been since we've had new MCU content? You think back to the last time we had anything new. It was Spider-Man: Far From Home, which was a lot of fun of a movie. And Matt, if um, if you remember back to when we did our MCU ranking show, um, I kind of I kind of didn't feel good about where I had this one that one ranked because it really was just so much fun. And you think about how we had talked about it. It's the MCU is such a huge, massive just ungodly huge piece of culture that it required a full-length feature film to serve as the epilogue to the infinity saga and we had all these plans we had all of these things that disney had laid out for us that we were supposed to get next we were supposed to have already had black widow by now and probably at least two other movies i think we were supposed to have already had eternals and possibly even shang chi by now potentially even the multiverse of madness, I'm I'm trying to even remember what the timeline was like. Um, And, and because of COVID-19, all that stuff got laid by the side. And we went an entire calendar year of 2020 without new MCU content. And uh, the folks at Disney uh, knew that we were starving for new stories from this world that we're we're so passionate about. And they dropped two episodes on us all at once, which I'm curious. Uh, I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about it. Uh, I'm curious if you guys think that was, was a great move on their part or something they needed to do.
0: Yeah. Uh, Harrison, um, you know, welcome. Thanks for, you know, co-hosting this, uh, this journey with us here. What, what was your thought on that about it dropping two episodes at once?
2: Uh, yeah. I'm well, first off, thanks for having me come back. I've been so excited for this after, the fun that it was to do the Mandalorian episodes with you. And then to have this break, I've been super excited to get, of course, to enjoy WandaVision. MCU has a special place in my heart as it is what started the basement binge. But to get to do it with you and Rob, Matt, is, I was, I was super excited about that. So to get to your question about the two episodes, I thought it was really good because, one, we haven't had any MCU content in a while. And I think one of the really strengths that allowed the MCU to be a consistent part of the zeitgeist is that it was always – Current, You know, movies and, and television have a weird half-life where the discussion around them doesn't last the longest. And the MCU maintains that discussion by always releasing content. Uh, and on top of that, WandaVision is a really new and unique and weird and take on the, the, the MCU, on comic books, superhero genre, on TV in general. It's just it's very, very unique. Now, so I think it was good to kind of allow episode one to get us back in the MCU timeline and in that uh, type of pop culture, for lack of better words, but also get us adjusted to the weirdness that WandaVision is um, and then have a second episode where you just kind of got to enjoy that acclimation that you had in episode one. So I thought it was a good pairing. I thought it was good to kind of get you warmed up through episode one and then allow us to enjoy it without having to wait an entire week. Yeah,
0: uh, I I totally agree on that. And uh, to anyone listening to the episode, what we're doing here is, even though they did drop it in two episodes, we're going to review both, but we are going to review them in two separate content episodes. So, um, you're gonna have this one, and then we'll have a follow up episode here that just simply focuses on episode two that way we can keep our thoughts um, you know, to each episode individually. And then, you know, talk about how we feel as a whole the two episodes and what might that you know be leading to. So uh, for this, what we're gonna do is, just like Mondays with Mandos, if you listen to that show, we're going to go ahead with a two minute warning here where this is spoiler free. Uh, We'll each give our thoughts of what we thought of this episode, and then we're going to dig deep into what we think this means and what we thought of the overall show. So, uh, Rob, I'll let you go first with the two-minute warning here and your quick little snippet of episode one of WandaVision. So, like I mentioned,
1: man, it was just so exciting to get new MCU content. I, I can remember Friday night, you know, we knew we were getting two episodes. In fact, I, I don't think we knew until was it Friday morning that we found out we were getting two at a time or maybe Thursday. It was it was very quick, uh or I should say it was very close to the release time um that we actually got that information. So there was quite a bit to be excited about. Now Initially, my, I had two thoughts right away when I found out they were dropping two episodes at the same time. My first thought was, holy crap, that's going to be really cool. We're going to be able to get a little more into the story because we knew, based on the most recent trailers we had seen, that this show was going to be kind of trippy, really. Like, it was going to be fun. It was going to be an homage to classic TV, um, starting at the 50s, working all its way through the, the genres and, and the eras of classic television, um, and it was going to change, and it was going to explore those tropes we knew those things but we also knew it was going to be a little bit wild and a little bit unlike anything we'd seen before so to get a chance to really dig into that and have two episodes back to back that is going to help us really get into this world had me very excited and then i remembered that when marvel released Inhumans as a TV show on ABC, they released the first two episodes back to back. And I started to get less excited about it because holy cow, was that a bad show? What a travesty that was. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately (laughs) for anybody who's actually seen that, I apologize in advance that you had to sit through that. It was awful. It's probably the only Marvel related content I've never finished that I've actually started because it was that bad. Um, But so for this, we start to see kind of the, the cracks a little bit. We, we, we have every reason to believe going into this and I'm not giving anything away at this point that this was probably going to be an alternate reality that Wanda created within her own mind, most likely to deal with the trauma, to deal with um, what is likely post-traumatic stress syndrome of all of the terrible events that have happened in her life up to this point. Um, So we had every reason to believe it, especially because we've seen Marvel adapt their classic uh, comic storylines to some extent in the mcu and there's been plenty of of opportunities where we've seen wanda in the comics kind of certainly house of m i think is the first one everybody thinks of when they think of alternate worlds created by wanda Um, and there's certainly reason to believe that they're adapting aspects of that for this Um, so to to really kind of start to see where right at the very beginning these characters sort of know something's off um and you kind of see that but then they just sort of they sort of go with it and as you go through it it becomes more obvious that that wand is aware that something is off and vision doesn't he knows something's off but he's not aware why he knows anything so it definitely leads you to believe that it's more wanda related um you know growing up as a kid i can remember watching nickelodeon all the time and and i loved i was into you know uh Guts and uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple and all of those kind of shows and and uh, the, I forget which one the one where they're at the camp that one was really funny I, and I, I'm struggling to remember the name of it but I, I would remember watch all those shows and Brennan Stimpy and then at some point for whatever reason it stopped being about kids shows and Nickelodeon kind of just it was like maybe 8 o'clock at night or whatever they flipped over to Nick at night and I never understood it as a kid but I happened to just see some of these when I'd be visiting my grandparents so I had seen all these episodes of Bewitched and I Dream of Genie and all of these shows that at least the first two episodes clearly draw their influence from and, and are very strongly tied to. Uh, certainly some of the animation is right out of some of those shows if I have to imagine that most people who are big MCU fans have probably not watched a lot of those, you know, Nick at night kind of TV shows. And I don't know if you guys have or not, but to me, it was, it was kind of nostalgic. Um, not that I would ever sit down and watch any of those ever again on purpose. Cause I'll tell you what, they really do not hold up well over time. They really don't. Um, but the kind of the innocence of it, um, the the corniness of it, the kind of the farcical nature of it, it's definitely an homage to those old shows. And I sort of enjoyed that aspect of it because uh, of kind of remembering watching those as a kid. Um, I've definitely seen people who have been online saying that these were both kind of boring episodes and not a whole lot was really going on. But there's enough intrigue on top of sort of the background silliness, which you're already aware probably isn't real anyways. Um, there's, some, there's some out loud laughs, but there's enough going on to keep the hook baited for me, where when we're talking about next week, getting into into the third episode, uh, I'm very excited to see what's going on. And as this, as this show continues down the track, um, how crazy it's probably gonna become um, and, and Really, I, I have to say, right out of the gate, um, uh, these two t- together are phenomenal on screen. You know, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany—they have, and we didn't really see a ton of it in the films they were in together. You know, they had some moments on screen, but holy cow, these two! on screen together, have amazing presence in chemistry, um, and it really sells. Um, they're able to pull off the campiness, they're able to pull off the funny parts, they're able to pull off the kind of moments where you go, whoa, 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 what is going on here? Uh, what's happening? Um, and they do it very well. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens next.
0: Yeah, uh, Harrison, what's uh, what's your thought on episode one and where it kind of left you?
2: Yeah, I uh, like I said, the MCU has a special place in my heart as it's what started the po- uh, the basement binge podcast for myself, um, and was like the only content that I consumed for so long, um, and it's been gone. It's been absent for a long while. So I've, and so that's led me to kind of explore other avenues of film um maybe a little more pretentiously (laughs) and um so coming back to the mcu i I had this uh i don't know what word i'm searching for you know hoity-toity idea that you know it's not going to be as good as you know something else more serious and more you know important but the second that that mcu marvel studios logo started with the music, I was just right back to like, this is the best thing ever. Why would I ever think that anything in this MCU was not worthwhile? And it just immediately brought me back to like the joy and excitement of the MCU. And, you know, people have always compared the MCU to like how it's episodic. They call it episodes. You know, I'm excited to be really experienced that. And the continuity, the continual of the excitement of, you know, when's the next MCU film coming out in a weekly TV show, and just all that excitement through the simple, you know, opening title music just brought that all back. Uh, but in the actual episode, I really agree with what Rob said. You know, growing up watching I Love Lucy, I watched that a lot with my mom. That's the one I remember the most. I even watched Bewitched. Full House, kind of, a little bit, not so much. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting to see. Well, this is, this is weird. The MCU is getting weird. And I love how much they allow it to just be what it is—be a fifty sitcom with the production design, the aspect ratio, the black and white, the way that the effects are done, very practically. The way it's filmed in in front of a live studio—it's like it just lets it be what it is. And the casting, like Rob said, is I think probably the best part. Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bedney. Even Catherine Hahn, they're all just so great. And the way that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are able to have this chemistry together and this quirkiness and this weirdness, you know, it's like Sarah Finn knew that this would eventually be what their roles were when she cast them forever ago because they do it so well. And so, you know, these episodes were slower. We're not getting into, like, the predicted, you know, theorized, multiverse, altering you know, timeline that the WandaVision series is going to create, you know, we're, we're warming up to that. And it's just like funny gags, humor, you know, you're just getting, you know, a little bit of uh, teaser for the intensity and, and it's going to come, but it just let it be fun and let it be lighthearted. And Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen just made that a lot of fun. And it was like, I don't know. I, I don't know why I expected it to just be so intense from the moment the episode started. Cause that's just way too extreme. And it was just, it was fun. It was simple. It was funny. It was just the right amount of everything to get me warmed up to vision and Wanda and their relationship and what that's going to mean for the rest of the show. And I'm just excited. I'm excited for where it's going to go because if they can handle these first two episodes that in all honesty are so simple, but make them so enjoyable without overdoing it, I'm just super excited for what's going to come. Cause it was just, just handled very well. Obviously when we get into spoilers, There's so many things to talk about, so many details. That's the other thing I love. You know, we're going to have a TV show, you know, eight, maybe nine episodes that we're going to be able to dissect and take apart. And there's so many things that may mean something really important. Only time will tell. But whether it means something important or not, it's a reference to something that a fan enjoys. And it's just fun to be back in that spirit of the MCU and have it be something that's just so fun as Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen just being totally loony In black and white and it's just lots of fun
0: yeah um, you know
1: what's it yeah real quick yeah so you know we were just kind of talking about how and and how great these two are on screen together and how silly some of these moments are there was parts in both of these episodes and i know we're focusing primarily on the first one but you kind of forget that this is probably all in her head or, or a constructed reality because of how well they pull off. Like you kind of forget like this is an old TV show style and these two have powers and abilities the average person does not. And in the case of Vision, he's an Android and not even really a person. Like you kind of forget that because of how well they pull that off. Um, this could just as easily have been an episode of bewitched for as well as they do it. Um, and I think that that's really going to pay off in future episodes as the edges start to creep in as, as this facade that it appears Wanda's creating, um, starts to have light peer through. And she has to address the fact that for all of the way she's trying to escape her PTSD, um, it's there's something there that it's just going to keep creeping through. And I think the way that they do this and just the way you kind of forget what you're actually watching. Um, I think when we eventually land a really hard impact punch later in this season, it's going to really hit.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I love this episode. I was actually really surprised at how much I enjoyed it based on the fact that it really is at its core just simple and it's so far from anything that we've gotten from the mcu i mean even i think you guys would agree because you know rob you and i did our recap episodes harrison you did you know your recaps uh twice actually you did things individually and then you did rewatch throughs of where you originally ranked them um even in the the worst movie that we thought of the mcu you know, there's action, there's big things. And this is just such a simplistic right now um, episode and story so far that I really was surprised at how much it captured me. And what I'm going to say is uh, I don't have anything else to say other than I love the episode. So listeners, if you for some reason haven't watched this episode this is the part where you pause it, you go watch it, you come back and you listen because I just needed to get I need to get into spoilers. Um <laughs> I, I just need to talk about it in depth. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, and yeah, Harrison, I'll throw this to you first. Um, you guys both mentioned it in your in your recap. One of the things that immediately caught me caught me off guard was I could not stand the fact that Wanda and vision were supposedly supposed to be an item um, from somewhat of civil war to infinity war. Um, it, it just so it was so unbelievable to me that all of a sudden these two characters had feelings for each other. Um, but for whatever reason, and maybe it's the lack of MCU content or whatever, uh, these two just popped off the screen for me. It actually finally felt like they were a couple that they wanted to be together, Um, which for me, again, and you guys both mentioned this, it makes it a little bit sad already because none of this seems real. And whether or not it's going to be that Wanda has an influence of this, uh, because there's some things that happen in this episode that make you believe that she might not even be fully in control of what's happening here. And it's not just her own accord that could be doing this, Um, which would make it even sadder. If she finds out that this is all being like fed to her, uh, so to speak. So I was really caught off guard by how much I actually liked them being a couple compared to the, the, the past tense of, I just didn't understand how it was believable that these two were together. Uh, Harrison, uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, Yeah, I I definitely agree. Uh, You know, as reading the comments, I knew that in some storylines in the comments, Wanda and Vision are a couple. They're an item. And that leads to a lot of great story threads. Rob Benson, House of M. But in the MCU and the films, particularly in Civil War, I always felt like it was kind of weird. That it was, if you didn't know that those two were written as a couple, it felt kind of out of nowhere. You know, um, and especially in Infinity War, I felt like it was rushed. And if I hadn't known that they were an item previously, previous to experiencing the MCU, I think I would have been more caught off guard. So, yeah, I, I've always felt the same way like that relationship seems rushed. It doesn't seem very fleshed out. Um, you know, we're just seeing the glimpses of it, we're not seeing the moment where it progresses. But for whatever reason, this series starts, and I got to give it to the actors Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olson. When they're together, when they're talking about how they're a strange couple or that moment where like vision is like Wanda get the lights and they like move their beds together. Like all of those moments felt like a genuine relationship. Like these are two people who just deeply want to be together and deeply enjoy each other's company as a married couple would. And uh, it's weird to have those two experiences in my head where in the films I'm like, ah, eh, this relationship isn't totally fleshed out. And now like this is one of the most genuine relationships I've seen in the MCU and I love it. Um, It also kind of adds to the sadness. I had written down somewhere, you know, if we're going to theorize, well, I think all of us are that this, what we're seeing is some alternate reality or pocket universe or whatever it's going to be. It's something that isn't, that Wanda is using her powers to create or someone is using to inflict upon her in in some way. It's, It's not actual reality. And I wrote down, you know, that when her, when her brother Pietro dies, you know, she just kind of lashes out and kills a bunch of robots. But when her boyfriend dies, like, he, she creates a whole pocket universe. Like, there's something in my head that, like, has some disconnect there because of the lack of depth of that, that relationship between Wanda and Vision in the films. But it's, it, I'm totally sold on it in the series alone. You know, I, they're doing such a good job. And maybe that's to add to the the fake reality that it is. But either way, the characters... I'm totally endeared to that relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm all the way in on that too. And, you know, you kind of mentioned it I, throughout the MCU, they really kind of do a crap job of trying to set relationships up in advance. Matt, you think about, think back to when we talked about age of Ultron and all of a sudden, one of the, one of the things we both disliked about it was the, sort of forced nature of that black widow hulk romance (laughs) they were trying to get us to believe in like where did that come from like it just kind of came out of nowhere and and honestly i'm trying to remember between the vision wanda pairing and the black widow hulk pairing like which one of those was worse because they're both kind of bad like they really both weren't set up in a way that you really believe, Um, which, you know, kind of moving forward throughout the MCU, if they're going to have these characters, um, develop these kind of relationships with one another, you'd like to see it hopefully done better. But yeah, from the moment these two pop onto the screen in the black and white set, um, you believe it you buy into the fact that these are people who have long-term relationships with one another that they've been a couple, they've been married for a while, despite the fact that neither of them can remember a detail about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that. And, you know, it's some of this episode, it's hard to talk about spoilers without just talking about like recapping scenes that you enjoyed, because again, it's, it's such a simple episode that I feel like some of the spoilers are more theories uh, for me in terms of what some of these things meant. And the one scene that I kind of got a vibe from of maybe these, you know, some of these people that are here is when they have dinner with vision's boss, because the fact that she's telling her husband, Mr. Hart, when he's choking, um, stop it, stop it. It almost felt like it was pro- like it was programmed to say that because stop breaking this illusion, stop breaking, you know what's supposed to be happening. Um, I, I just kind of got a vibe that there was almost a a glitch, so to speak, in the program with him choking, and it was just a weird way for her to interact with him when he was choking. Uh, Rob, did you get any vibes from that? Because I just for some reason thought that was. Again, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I just – that's how I felt with that scene.
1: Yeah, um, so I saw that, and I kind of of had a similar reaction afterwards. The first time I watched it, I was like, this is – like, she's being annoying. Like, shut up already and do something to help him. Like, she just kept saying, stop it, and she was, like, pretending like it wasn't a real – Potentially life-threatening medical emergency, but uh, like we had mentioned up to this point, you know, we were so bought into just the fifties slash sixties era time frame that this show was recreating those, like I said, those old Nick at night ones, you know, they really gave great care to recreating the overall feel of fifties and sixties TV. If you think about just even the set where the front door is kind of up on a platform and people have to step down into the living room, like nobody's house looks like that, but every old <laughs> TV set looks just like that. You know, the acting style, the direction, the, the fact that there's an a plot and a B plot of the episode episode uh, that are both mostly farcical in nature and it's a harmless misunderstanding in the end and nothing really happens the music the laugh track just the campiness Um, even just something as simple as the way that she makes the rings appear the way they do it is through a camera trick instead of a digital effect they just basically have both actors hold their hands still they shoot it and then they put the ring, they, they stop the camera, they put the ring on and then they shoot it again. So you see there's a slight movement of the hand. um, And it just appears instantly instead of like fading in like you would if you were doing it digitally. Um, The way there's there's a few wipes in this episode of transitions from one scene to another, and they use those old effects. you know it, it's so it got me to when they get to that dinner scene i was so just in the mindset of watching an old episode of i dream of genie or bewitched that when he starts choking and she just won't like she just keeps saying stop it stop it right at that moment you notice though that those old TV show angles, those old sitcom sort of presentation changes and it focuses very tightly in on Mrs. Hart. And then it focuses in very tightly on Wanda when she says vision, help him. Um, you know, it, it occurred to me like Mrs. Hart was almost like a broken record. Like she, she never changed to think that it was serious. Um, there was definitely something almost like a glitch in the matrix maybe. Um, and then it goes right back to the fifties and sixties, you know, as soon as he gets back up, it's right back into like Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke. Um, almost like this weird thing didn't just happen. Um, and it's, and it goes right back into the laugh track. It goes right back in all those things. And then you, as the viewer, it's very unsettling. Like what is going on here? It is, it's really a mind screw. And, um, I, I'm, I want to know more. I want to see what, where this goes
0: yeah uh Harrison, any thoughts on uh, that that dinner scene and maybe potentially you know again it, it that's what's so great, I think about this show is we could be reading way too much into it or it you know it could go somewhere. there's so many different directions that this appears it, it could go in it keeps you guessing
2: yeah, I think that's one of the things. Of this of this series so far you know we only have two episodes but every detail could mean something incredibly significant or it could mean absolutely nothing um, and the ability to like keep all of that balanced is really impressive uh, but onto that scene I, I kind of just agree with what Rob said I loved how it went from the traditional you know three camera set of a 50 sitcom to you know the close-ups of the individual characters and the way it changed. And it almost, to me, felt like it was the false reality breaking because, like you guys said, there was a glitch, so to speak. You know, something's happening the way that this this setup, perfect 50s sitcom reality for Wanda is supposed to be set up. Something's preventing that from happening. So it kind of breaks the system and moves in, in a more realistic uh, camera style. And I just thought that that was, like, really great... Um, filmmaking it, 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 but it's also interesting because like there's not so much to talk about besides these things because all we really have is to like assume and make theories based off things you know because there's so much that uh, we don't know we're just guessing really because the, like you said these first episodes are so simple and i think it's so much fun to try and draw so like such it just incredibly important meaning out of something that probably in in the long run is going to mean absolutely nothing it's just fun
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's so much of it. And it, it is exciting, though, because it gives, you know, especially for fans, um, you know, I think this show can also, too, like this is a show where you could really, kind of like we talked about with The Mandalorian, you really probably wouldn't have to really watch anything from the NC MCU to even start watching these two episodes, but for you know fans and obviously you know us who have done shows and theorize and everything like that it's so much fun after just two episodes to think there's so many different things that you know this could be and well this couldn't be um because there's so many of those little moments in in this episode where another one is the ad for the toaster um Mm -hmm. you know it was funny oh stark industries a toaster you know it's like this big deal um But that ticking sound at the end, just before the bread pops up um, that red light, it's very ominous. Um, It almost seems like a bomb is ticking. And, you know, again, regardless of whether you like that movie or not um, the backstory for the, the Maximoffs were, they sat in a house where their parents died, waiting for a Stark industries bomb to go off uh, thinking they were going to die. So, you know, There's that little part there that is that messing with Wanda. Um, and if that is meant to be anything, again, who's doing that? Is it somebody trying to break Wanda out of this reality? Is it Wanda herself um, potentially maybe fighting this reality somewhat? Because, again, uh, to me, I think there's some some scenes where you could think that maybe she's not the one doing this. She's not in control of it. So I just am, you know, excited about all those possibilities. But one of the other things too, that um, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on are because of the fact that vision is back, so to speak, he, you know, obviously he's not the one that brought himself back but what potential is there for him to come back, do you think, as a reoccurring character? Or do you think he's for this show um, in terms of they're using him to set up everything else and kind of bra- either break Wanda out or truly she's you know going to go mad because the rumors are this show directly leads into the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange. Um and does that tie into Wanda finding out that what she thinks is real um is not real. Uh Rob, what are your what are your thoughts there? You know, um
1: I've always sort of approached my thinking about this show is that it is like a pocket reality. Um because that is very similar to what we see Wanda do throughout the comics. Um I think certainly since you know really the last big um, MCU event, you know, um, since they finished up the Infinity Saga, they've reclaimed the rights to all of their major characters. And there's been all kinds of speculation about how they're going to introduce the Fantastic Four, which we know is now on their calendar. There is, you know, I don't believe there's a, a release date been assigned, but they've committed to doing what is this the fourth time now we're getting the fantastic four movie. If you <laughs> include that ashcan one that never got released, it was supposed to be completely terrible. Um, you know, okay. So we're going to try that again. Not that anybody really wants it because of how badly it's gone before, but it, you know, so, and the X-Men, they've got the rights of the X-Men now. And, And WandaVision and the Multiverse of Madness was always going to be what everybody's theorized predominantly of how some of these characters who really don't have a great reason to not jump in when Thanos attacks or when there's all of these crazy world breaking events like the original attack on New York in in the first Avengers movie, you know, if Wolverine's kicking around somewhere and Charles Xavier is out there recruiting mutants, like he's not going to show up and be like, hi, we're here to help. What can we do? You know, it just doesn't make sense. So how are we going to introduce it? Or are they just going to say, okay, everybody there's mutants now, like boom here, uh, Thanos snapped mutants into existence. Like how are they going to do that? And one of the ways I've always heard kind of people theorize is that, you know multi or introducing this concept of a multiverse through the abilities of wanda through the abilities of dr strange at some point in either this show or that film we might see that be the way some of these things happen so how does that correspond to vision anything's possible you know we could really see anything if if paul bettany's on board to do it and the fans are demanding this character come back if they have an interesting story to tell because look, I, th- I think they've barely scratched the surface with what they can do with Vision um, he might almost be a little too overpowered for the MCU when you think about everything he's capable of doing it, it kind of feels weird, like he might almost be too powerful to not just solve a lot of their issues pretty quickly um, so that might be a consideration but um, there could be a lot of ways they use this to reintroduce characters, I mean Matt, you and I were talking about a year or so ago I think that there were rumors that Quicksilver was going to become Coming back, and I think from what you told me, it wasn't necessarily the MCU version of Quicksilver that we might be seeing. It would be the X Men version of him. So this could be um, this could be almost anything, really. Um, I would like to see Vision again because I just like Paul Bettany so much as the character. Um, I really have no idea what to predict they're going to do because um, it could it could be
2: anything.
0: Yeah, uh, Harrison, uh, question for you, too. Um, I actually, uh, you know, Rob just mentioned this, but it's I mean, this is a spoiler, but anybody can go get this information. Um, there are two people that are confirmed part of this cast that really make me think where this show is going and make me wonder, because uh, one of them is James Spader. Uh, he is cast in this show. Um, anybody who would know the MCU would know that he voiced Ultron. So where is that going? Um, also, though, too, uh, cast in this show is Evan Peters. And if you've watched American Horror Story, uh, Harrison, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you haven't based on conversation. <laughs> that we've had. Um, <laughs> but um, Evan Peters, for anybody who doesn't know, Evan Peters is the actor who plays Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men universe. I find it maybe way too much of a coincidence that he is cast in this show and they have been really tight lipped about what he's doing. So that leads me to believe, like Rob said, we are, you know, we're just in for a magnitude of just everything's coming at us and this may be the reason why we start getting introduced to maybe the X-Men and mutants which again I think is the best route for that um is slowly introducing characters maybe in individual movies before we just get a full blown um the X-Men exi- uh, X-Men exists so uh, again, it's hard to talk about spoilers for this episode without just talking about some things that that happened and being a, a theory, but Harrison, did you notice one other thing that I want to ask you too? Did you notice the bottle of wine at the dinner scene and what
2: the translation
0: means for that?
2: Uh, I actually did, yeah. Um, so it says something in some other language that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> translation to House of Content or loosely House of Misery which I think is, you know, a huge hint at the House of M. Yeah,
0: Um, there's even at the top of the bottle of wine, there is an M at the top of that bottle. So, again, there's just so many possibilities. But, uh, Harrison, just to follow up on that, in terms of everything that, that happened in this episode, and again, it's when you break it down, it's really not a lot. What would you say is your most intriguing part of of episode one here for this?
2: Um, Yeah, it's hard for me to separate episode one and episode two, so let me try and answer this without getting too much into episode two. Um, The most intriguing part to me is what it could mean and how – So let me just say this first. So I watched episode one, and I immediately watched episode two after because it released, obviously, at the same time. And I watched episode one, and I saw the wine bottle. I saw all these things. I was like, oh, this really is giving me House of M vibes. You know, this is going to be it. You know, episode two is going to be crazy. And then it was more of the same thing, which I'm not complaining about. It was great, but it it was really dialed back. It's toned down. It's slow progression. So it's kind of the same answer I have to both you know, what the key to most exciting thing about Episode 1 and 2 for me is what it could mean. You know, I bet 99% of what I'm guessing is probably wrong, you know, especially with my track history with what I guess from The Mandalorian, but it's it's exciting as a huge fan of the comics, particularly the House of M story. I remember reading that years ago and just, like, being so impressed with that story, and I've wanted an adaptation of that in MCU for a long time, and, you know... All the things we're getting about the multiverse and how this series is going to directly influence the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange, with all these things that I have a huge theory about that you know, I can share if you want me to. I'm just excited for what it could mean. Even if I'm 100% wrong, I just know that exciting things are going to come of this. You know, We're starting to see the hints of it, the way that Vision sees the gaps in the system. You know, because he's a computer, he's looking for a an logical analytical explanation of this. He's starting to see the gaps. the way that, that Wanda doesn't even know what's going on. you know the hint that sword is watching, the hint that maybe someone else is doing this to her, the, the ticking time bomb toaster, you know the hints to a PTSD-stricken Wanda, all of these things that could mean so much and also mean nothing. I just know so many exciting things are coming um, and it's just exciting to be this excited for mcu content
0: yeah uh i mean that's i couldn't have said it better myself um rob follow up to that uh what do you think of that you know there's um
1: i think one of the first things harrison had really talked about was just you you turn this episode on and you get that mcu title music at the beginning of it and holy cow here we go again like we're back guys we're back you know um and, uh, and then you kind of settle into a fairly benign. I dream of genie bewitched Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore sort of clone, if you really want to get right down to it. But then there's these other things that are happening that are weird and they're unsettling. Um, I think to me, one of the most intriguing things about this first episode is that commercial. And I think when we, when we talk about the second episode, we'll get to it as well, but there's something very sinister, in the way that this commercial is presented as well as again in the, in the second episode, we'll have a chance to talk about it, but, and I don't know if you guys caught it, but when that toaster pops, it sounds an awful lot like the same sound they use for iron man's priming of a repulsor blast. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen again. Cause I'm telling you, it is the same sound effect. I did not catch it the first time I watched it, but on my rewatch, right away, I went, Hey, wait a second. That's that sort of high pitched whine that you get right before Iron Man releases a blast. And obviously, it's a Stark Industries product. And the ticking of the time bomb. Um, I didn't really catch the bomb reference the first time I saw it. But the second time immediately, I, I caught that that's what it was and, and did make that connection back to Age of Ultron, which man, I really had no intention of ever, ever rewatching that turn fest of a movie. But I might have to go back now and and catch anything that might have clues that they're going to reference on this show because um, it seems like they're drawing from a lot of of what happened there, and, and certainly they'll be drawing from the other films that she's appeared in.
0: Yeah, um, just a follow up too on you know the ad because again, there's so many little things that could be involved with that, even the dialogue that are in those ads. Um, could mean a lot and could mean nothing because in the toaster ad it says forget your past this is your future uh is that a reference to what is happening right now um you know want to forget about it like this fake reality is is your future you're going to stay here um you know does does that mean anything and what does it mean that you know harrison if you noticed this too um the same two people show up in these commercials and you know, the next commercial is an episode two, but it's the same man and woman in each commercial. Um, Which again, I think has some significance, but it could just be nothing. And we've said how that is super
2: exciting. Yeah. There's so many things that I like. I just want to like juice the pulpy meaning out of it. That probably really is nothing. But yeah, it it creates, it creates opportunity from some really, really exciting theories that it's going to be really fun to see unravel. Yeah. We are going to be
1: wrong about so many things this whole season. And I'm so excited to be so wrong about so many things because just when we think they're going to zig, they'll zag on us. They'll, they're going to drop these things and we'll get to the final episode. We'll hit the climax of this season. Um, And the single most important callback will be literally the most minuscule thing that we didn't even think of.
0: Yeah, like, seriously, it'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe that actually meant something. Like, I can't believe that meant something. Um, (laughs) It was the lobster all along. (laughs) Right, Right, exactly. Like, holy cow. Um, But yeah, I mean, this, again, this episode, just to kind of reiterate it, it's so simple, but to see MCU content again, and I give them so much credit for regardless of what we get in future episodes to start the show off like this. Um, I applaud the effort from them to, to go in this direction, to give us something different because I feel like it's a nice break because we've had so many movies with so much action. Um, so much emotional weight through these movies that again we are probably going to get hit with a gut punch here in this in this season but it was nice to have some levity it was nice to have laughs um and just kind of kick back and you know really relax with an MCU project that you know you kind of don't do in the movies it's not like i'm sitting you know tense during the movies so to speak but for me, it was really nice to just relax and take in a show um, on a casual basis, but have it be in this MCU uh, MCU universe.
1: The fate of the free world does not hang over this episode, which you think back to the last several things we've seen, you know, the snapping wiped out half of existence and their mission to prevent it and their mission to undo it, um you can't really raise the stakes much higher than that in, in a film. Um, so, yeah, I mean, certainly with the Ant-Man film and, and Ant-Man and the Wasp as well, there was there's some real light moments, some real fun moments where it's not really earth-shattering that the mission they're on, but it is still important. Um, and those movies are just fun as well. But a lot of the other ones, it's heavy. There's certainly moments throughout the MCU that are very funny, um, but the stakes are very high. And so far, the stakes are not high. I expect that to change, though.
0: Yeah, uh, Harrison, I'll ask. Uh, I'll ask you to, to cap us off here. Um, going first, but what is your what's your overall thought on this episode, and what's your overall rating for
2: for episode one? Uh, you know, to give you my overall rating, let me just throw this fun little Easter egg that I saw. Yeah, at the very beginning when. The episode starts and Wanda's cleaning the dishes, you know, in, in the very, the production design was just perfect. The way the effects were done, you know, the, the plate floating with the wire work and how it goes and breaks on vision said, he's like, Oh, my wife and flying saucers. And she replies and says, Oh, my husband and his indestructible head. Like that statement, if you think about it is devastating because his head was literally destroyed twice. And (laughs) that is probably leading to the events (laughs) that we're now seeing that having experienced that twice, the one having to experience that twice, but that statement is said with so much joy, jovality to invent a word that it's just, like you said, I know that the stakes are high. I know that something is going on beyond what it seems. There's more than meets the eye, but it's just... It's just, you know, another episode of I Love Lucy or Bewitch or whatever. It's two people trying to fit in to the suburbs, and the heart of that is two cast members that make this so endearing and so much fun, um, and just really sold me on it. And I'm excited. I'm excited for more of that lightheartedness, and I'm also excited for the stakes to get ridiculously wacky and ridiculously high. And I know that both of them are going to be incredibly enjoyable on either end. The more You know, lighthearted sitcominess and the multiverse creating MCU altering whatever is going to happen. You know, I'm just excited for what's to come. If they can start a series this great, I have so much trust in what's going to come.
0: Awesome. Rob, your your closing thoughts on episode one of WandaVision?
1: You know, I I enjoyed it. I thought there were parts that moved kind of slow, but on purpose because the parts that move slow just make the parts that are kind of making you wonder what the heck is going on it, it they land that much harder you kind of need to be lulled into this sense of everything's okay and, and it's just campy um before you kind of realize oh no this is going to be different um so as far as my my rating out of the total number of reels i'm going to go four and a half reels on this i uh i was really intrigued by what was going on um the final easter egg i'll leave you with is i i really enjoyed um Obviously, I mentioned I've I've enjoyed the homage to television that we see in this. But um, one of the things that if you if you don't really know a lot about television and TV production, you may not have necessarily caught when you get to the end and they have the green dots, the red dots, and the blue dots. Well, RGB um, dots are all the primary colors of light, and and that's what's used in these old tube TVs to actually make the colors that you see. It's all just combinations of red, green, and blue. And if you ever I don't know anybody who still has an old tube TV, but if you ever actually get like a magnifying glass and get right up on top of one of those things it will look very much like what we're presented with at the end of this episode so it really makes it like you're jumping into the tv um, to to kind of almost escape in some ways even towards the end of this you notice as the credits roll for the fake wandavision show it pulls back from that, you know, that four by three aspect ratio that we got with standard definition, and it pulls back to the sixteen by nine aspect ratio of high definition television, referencing that this is now the real world and somebody is watching this. So who is watching it? How are they watching it? And what is it? Um, it's it's such a uh, it's so intriguing that um, I'm going to be just as excited every Friday night to sit down and see what's going on.
0: Yeah, uh, Rob, I'd agree with you. I'd I'd say four and a half out of five. And one Easter egg that I really enjoyed was, um, and this will be more talked about in episode two because there's a little bit more on the nose hints to this organization, but you definitely can tell if anybody's familiar with it that it's an organization called SWORD um, that's monitoring this situation, um, at least one part of it. Uh, I really like that because when we get to episode two here, there's some pretty significant people that could show up as part of this organization. Um, But also too, if it's just an Easter egg, great. I just love it. But the way that the credits roll and start to break away is literally the exact same transition as comic panels in the house of M comic book. Um, I really like that. And again, it's probably just an Easter egg and you know, Oh, uh, you know, catch it moment for fans that have read those comics and everything like that. But again, for me, I love it. That's the Easter egg that I'll leave with. But I I thought episode one was really good. Um, so listeners, uh, we are going to have episode two, um, coming out really soon here. We're recording that as we're recording this one. So Thanks for tuning in to Mondays with Maximoff, and uh, we look forward to having you listen to episode two and our future installments. So uh, look forward to those episodes coming up every Monday. Thanks for your time, everyone.